This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Chris O'Brien is kind of, sort of, on special assignment. He has a doctor's appointment. He's still kind of navigating that problem with his lungs, and I hope things get better. But he still has to go through treatment for that. Maybe he needs a better doctor. I'm urging him to check for one of the places in Phoenix and see if they can deal with pulmonary issues. But what do I know about things like that, after all? Yeah, Chris seems to have been having chest problems for quite a while now. So, you know, maybe maybe it is time for a second or third opinion. Right, Um, well, you know, I'm not going to ask anybody who listens to the show to render a medical opinion that's not even ethical. But we're always open to ideas. Definitely yeah. open to ideas. In any case, so Gogs Mackay is going to be our guest co-host this week. And Gogs, you have been otherwise occupied in recent months. What have you been up to? Oh, just um, work, flying a drone. I got myself a drone um, and traveling within the UK. Um, I was down in Edinburgh today just, just for the day doing a bit of work training Oh, there's something I wanted to bring up. There's, um, I, I know I've uh, private messaged you about this, but on the 8th of July in Falkirk in Scotland, there's the Scottish UFO and Paranormal Conference. And myself and a couple of uh, other Paracast listeners from the UK are going to be meeting up and going to this conference. We would absolutely love to meet anyone else uh, who hasn't already uh, specified an interest but as I said so Saturday 8th of July tickets are £10 and um, we'd love to see anyone that listens to the show and um, so we kind of hit on this idea because um, we just wanted to do something as an excuse to meet up because you know I don't know any other podcast listeners in my kind of uh, circle of friends or whatever I've got one friend that's kind of like half a listener really he occasionally listens half um, a listener we have to deal with that we cannot yeah. allow half a listeners sometimes these are the people who post messages on iTunes saying we run 500 the Paracast announcements every episode we have 2,000 commercials and as a matter of fact one of the wackiest reviews we've gotten at iTunes, and I realize most people are just sincere. Most people are sincere, and they do make an effort to provide whatever input they want, like us or hate us or otherwise. But sometimes ahead of the show, GCN runs commercials for a paranormal dating service. I know nothing about that service. So what happens here is we are blamed for it. Whatever ads are run before or after the Paracast or during the Paracast by our network, that's our responsibility. No, folks, it's not, okay? It's not a responsibility. We have our own little allotment of ads that we run, and most of you recognize which ads come from us. 
The rest, it's up to the network to sell the ads, to decide what advertisers to accept. And if you have a question about it, let us know. We'll tell the network. Simple as that. I remember early on when we first joined the GCN network, we had listeners giving reviews of the ads because they had a lot of survivalism ads, you know, buy food in case of Armageddon approaches, that sort of thing. And again, look, if the company is legitimate and they're selling a product or service, if you don't want it, don't listen to it. And if you do, give them a try. That's what we say. Simple as that. Does that make sense? Anyway, I wanted to ask you a couple of things here, Gogs. We've been running a few shows lately with kind of a unified field theory of UFOs, where UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, all related to the same phenomena, a lot of it having to do with the multiverse. And we throw in quantum mechanics because it sounds cool. What's your perception? Well, you know, the the longer I'm interested in in these kind of subjects, then I th- I think I would have to agree. I I am most definitely as I'm definitely as much um, for a, a unified paranormal force intelligence. Um, uh, you know, I'll put that on an even footing as being behind UFOs uh, as much as ETH and nuts and bolts, if not more. So just to explain, uh, maybe there are nuts and bolts craft, maybe there are, you know, whatever, aliens or interdimensional travellers or stuff. But it seems to me that there are more, there are more and more reasons to think that there it can't be that simple. And some of the great thinkers in ufology also seem to go through a period of, yeah, the ETH nuts and bolts, and then they kind of think, but yeah, that really doesn't explain a lot of the associated high strangeness and just some of the some of the glaring um, facts about UFOs, abductions and, and um, contact experiences, like why this ridiculous variety of craft um, shapes, sizes, kind of uh, travel uh, travel patterns, uh, appearances, where do they appear, how long for, what do they do when they land on the ground, why do all the beings kind of either look like Nordics or supposedly reptilians or praying mantis or greys, why are the greys, you get tall ones, short ones, ones with wraparound eyes, ones with kind of more human features, ones with noses, ones with that. It's just almost ridiculous, the, the variety, and it could not be explained simply by, you know, different races of greys or whatever, and they're all very anthropomorphic. So it to me, it makes much more sense that whatever is behind it all, some trickster paranormal force, I don't know, but they're just um, appearing in a guise that is supposed to look advanced to us, to look kind of, oh, whoa, what's that? Um, and because they're like making it up as they go along, if you like, on each encounter, they kind of think, yeah, let's do the kind of grey gray thing today or let's do the whatever. And that might account for why these things are don't seem to be quite the same every time, but they're wrong. It would be like the equivalent of... Uh, myself or a completely different person maybe putting on a suit, a gorilla suit, trying to impersonate Bigfoot. We're going for the same aim, 
but the actual effect might look quite different enough to think, hmm, they're not quite the same. And if you had a hundred different people in a hundred different places all trying to impersonate Bigfoot, you would get all these differences and it, it wouldn't make sense if the, your audience were supposed to believe that these are a real creature and, you know, they have a, a real backstory, if you like. But if they were to think maybe it's people masquerading as these things called Bigfoot and that's why their own individual efforts kind of turn out a little bit different each time. And same with the crafts. I, I start to think that, you know, it's maybe when they blink out of existence, maybe that's not them just accelerating so quickly. It looks like that. You know, maybe they are literally created to order. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to appear uh, on Earth in front of some human beings who have maybe been sending out telepathic vibes, or they're calling us, or we are interested in them for some reason. They think, right, let's let's do a UFO craft, and it can almost be different every time they do it or maybe they intend for it to be similar but they can't quite remember what they did last time maybe they don't care maybe it's all completely deliberate that are these that there are these variations and it is it is completely designed just to be an impenetrable mystery i mean that that is one way that would explain everything is if it was deliberately sent to confound us every aspect of it it would make sense well it'll make sense more as we explore this further before we confound you let me tell you we have robert spearing who specializes in orange orbs and other strange phenomena and he's coming up on the powercast today so we'll get to him in just a moment chris o'brien's on special assignment more or less so we're talking to our guest host cox mckay catching up with him more to come with Gene and with Gox. You're in the Orange Podcast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, 
and fight a new trans so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step 1. Stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything. Your home, your car, even your life savings. Step 2. Call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-945-1063. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-945-1063. Step 3. Congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-945-1063. That's 1-800-945-1063. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at shelterpod.com. The Shelter Pod at shelterpod.com. Shelter when you need it most. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We welcome to the Paracast Robert Spearing, and he has a lot of fascinating stuff that he's been exploring over the years, and we'll get to that in a moment. do want to send a thank you to Erica Lukes, who recommended Robert to come on the show. Thank you, Erica. Erica, as you know, appears occasionally on the Paracast and sometimes as a guest co-host. But this week, as I mentioned before, we have Gogs Mackay, direct from his caverns in which he lives in the north of Scotland. That doesn't make any sense either, does it, Gogs? No, yeah, I'm down in a, a deep bunker. It's connected by one of these magnetic trains to the Graylian bunker over in North Carolina. Uh, we're thinking of adding Phoenix to it, so we might get a stop in your basement soon, Gene. I don't have a basement. A lot of homes in well, Arizona do not have basements. I think we're afraid of what we might find down there. Spiders. Well, if it was only spiders... We'd be lucky. I want you to know, by the way, Robert, that 
Goggs was not the person who taught actor James Doohan how to imitate Scotty. So, Robert, welcome to the PowerCast. We're glad to have you aboard. And I might get started on the things that got you interested in UFOs. Was it just reading about it? Was it a personal experience? What? Uh, well, in 1986, I had a personal experience, but to backtrack a little bit, in 1964, when I was six years old, 1965, my uncle came in the house one day after the big blackout that blacked out the whole northeastern United States, and he said to me, UFOs did it. And then he started telling me about uh, swamp gas, and he started telling me about football-shaped UFOs over swamps, and I got hooked. In 1986, I had my one and only UFO sighting, and it was an orange orb sighting. I was camping in a very remote part of New Jersey, Round Valley Reservoir, huge lake surrounded by dense forest. I was sitting on the beach on a canoe uh, about two o'clock in the morning, heavy rain, very low cloud cover covering the tops of the mountains. And a friend of mine and I saw this pink light coming over the lake. It was so quiet you could hear a pin drop, but we heard nothing from this. We didn't know what it was. We knew it wasn't a helicopter or an airplane. And we watched it for about 40 minutes just hover over the lake. All of a sudden, it just did a set of incredible maneuvers, like an upside-down question mark with stops and starts. And then it froze for a second and then shot off across the horizon so fast that it left the streak. Years later, I went back and calculated how fast it could have been going from the time it shot to where we lost it on the horizon. It had to be going over 15,000 miles per hour from zero. Needless to say, I had never heard of orange orbs at that point, but I knew it wasn't some sort of Chinese lantern or helium balloon or drone because drones were not in fashion back in 1986. About five years ago, I got involved with MUFON. Uh, I became a field investigator in New Jersey, and gradually I worked my way into international cases because they had a shortage. What happened was MUFON became so popular from the TV show Hangar One that we began to get inundated with reports from all over the world rather than just the United States, and we had a shortage of people. So my job basically is to train field investigators in other countries. Right now, I'm the national director of India and Spain. And I'm also on the MUFON special assignment team, which is the upper echelon of field investigators. Uh, We investigate the really unusual cases. I do historical cases like 1957 uh, Texas Pantex nuclear plant case. And pretty much that's where I am now. I had an investigative background on the railroad and a statistical background. Nobody comes into ufology from college. So you've got to come from some sort of background that's probably investigative or scientific to become a field investigator. Uh, I did a lot of statistical analysis. And as a result, now when I analyze cases. Uh, I use a statistical approach looking for patterns between certain cases in distance and time. And that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Bob Goggs here. Are you familiar with the Alagash case? It was a long time ago. I'm not that familiar with it now. Yeah, I, I'm not, you know, overly sure on all the details, but I'm sure it's up in the northeast of the United States also. But it, what what you were telling there about being on a canoe at night, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of nowhere, is very, very reminiscent of uh, of the Alagash case. Now, I believe there was three or four guys there camping and fishing 
you know, from small boats. I don't think it was an orange orb. I believe it was maybe a more a classic craft mm -hmm. uh, saucer shape, but I'm not sure. But in their case, it wasn't until later on that they started to find out, uh, maybe through hypnotic regression, partly through uh, conscious recall, but I believe that they eventually found out that, well, they believe they may have been abducted. Do you think there was any missing time in your case? No, you're not the first person who's asked me that. Um, I do not believe I had any missing time. Uh, I know that, that in some orb cases, people do have missing time, but I do not have flashbacks or any sort of dreams. I do not believe that I have any sort of implants within me. So no, I don't think that that happened to me. Do you think orange orbs are just um, maybe illuminated solid craft or do you think they're like very separate from a nuts and bolts UFO? Um, I'm starting to veer towards that there's some sort of a plasmatic life form that is intelligent. I don't think that they're nuts and bolts craft. They do act intelligently and i believe that it's just not one phenomenon but it may there may be several related um phenomena uh that fall under the what we're studying right now for example ball lightning is a form of plasma and ball lightning is unusual in that when people approach it it backs away or it approaches people it shows some sort of basic intelligence a lot of the other cases we've had uh some of them were very bizarre uh one in uh, saladere ethiopia in 1970 where an orange orb actually went through the town destroyed several buildings turned around came back and ripped up the road before it disappeared after killing a girl so they do have behaviors I do not think, though, that at this point they're nuts and bolts craft. However, especially during the 1950s and 60s, a lot of people did see red objects in the sky that did turn out to be glowing metal from the bottoms of nuts and bolts craft. So we have to differentiate sometimes between what's an orb and what's a nuts and bolts craft because sometimes they do look similar. I'm going to want to ask you, and we'll pursue this more in our next segment, Robert, about this intelligence or basic intelligence aspect of the orange orbs, where they sort of respond. Now, and why we will possibly at times tend to mix them up with UFOs, or if there is a possibility, and this is like almost a three-part question, that UFOs, at least some UFOs, are not spacecraft or manifestations of the collective unconscious or whatever, but life forms like the late Trevor James Constable had advocated over the years. We've got more to come with Robert Spearing and Gene and Goggs. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at shelterpod.com. The Shelter Pod at shelterpod.com. Shelter when you need it most. Do you know what's lurking in your water? More than 200 contaminants could be sitting there just waiting for your glass. With a ProPure water filter, start enjoying clean and great tasting water today. ProPure filters, independently tested, latest water filter technology. ProPure systems do not require electricity and are easy to set up and easy to use. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hey, diabetics. Yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get what my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But PillPack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, your meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need PillPack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com.
Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The best way to support the Paracast, ladies and gentlemen, is the Paracast Plus. With the Paracast Plus, we offer the After the Paracast podcast, which is color commentary, after show wrap-ups, special interviews. Recently, we had extended interviews with such people as Ray Stanford, continuing on After the Paracast and Paul Eno. So if you heard the main show and you didn't hear After the Paracast, you missed part of what was being offered there. And the only way to hear After the Paracast and also to get a version of this show without commercials, you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. If you subscribe to five years or a lifetime, we give you freebies. Like, for example, we have several copies here of Behind the Paranormal by Paul Eno and Ben Eno, autographed, print version, five years or lifetime. And for lifetime subscriptions, we add other books. To learn more, go to plus, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. That's plus dot theparacast.com. With Robert Spearing, I asked him a three-part question about life, about the orange orbs, yeah. and about whether some UFOs are themselves life forms, as Trevor James Constable once said. What's your response? I have both of Trevor's books. His feeling was that they were some sort of amoeba-like life form floating in the sky that... Uh, has not been discovered yet. He called it an atmospheric sea where um, these living life forms may be floating around in a, in an, a sea of air, um, mindless or with just a basic rudimentary intelligence. Uh, I do not take that off the table. There are plenty of cases where we've uh, filmed objects floating in and out of clouds, uh, such as chemtrails and as such, uh, and that there's a conspiracy theory about the chemtrails that they may be either seeding these beings or actually trying to destroy them. I don't know. I've never investigated that avenue. But the current theory is that they may be more plasma-based uh, entities. The main problem with plasma is that it's an ionized gas. And an ionized gas needs to be contained because it's not in its natural state. Um, it would want to revert back to giving its electrons back to the, the molecule. But you need something to either hold it in place or you need some sort of mechanism within the object itself to, to make it cohesive. There's nothing that can do this right now that we know in science. So we're sort of mystified how these balls of plasma can stay together. They have behaviors. They know how to reproduce. Uh, if you have them in a, a scientist have put them, created them in microwave fields, and they have lasted as long as the microwave field was intact. And ironically, since 1964, uh, the majority of UFO cases uh, in the world are orbs. Uh, and this coincides with the amount of microwave antennas uh, being put all over the globe, too, that there's more and more and there may be uh, some sort of connection to it. But these things can stay in place indefinitely. They're not Chinese lanterns. They're not helium balloons. They're actual three-dimensional objects that people see and film. They have enormous number of behaviors. They zigzag, make right-angle turns. Uh, they blink out, blink back on. Uh, they come close to people, and when people try to talk to them telepathically, 
uh, and say, move to the right. The orb will move to the right. So there's something going on that, that suggests it's more than just a mindless ball of plasma. At least yeah, they're Bob, more obedient than my dog. <laughs> Gogs? Bob, this kind of sounds to me like you're maybe going in the direction of this This isn't some uh, intelligence that is controlling plasma energy to uh, to travel in. This is kind of like the, the object and the intelligence are all one. Is that, is that I'm getting you right? Yes, but it gets more complicated than that because throughout history, orbs have been seen in conjunction with other UFOs. So if they're just some sort of native, undiscovered type of life form that's uh, native to Earth, why are they associated with so many nuts and bolts UFO sightings? There's a definite connection. In 2009, in Scotland, Black Triangle flying across Scotland, trailed by two balls, which kept switching positions behind it. In South Africa in 2014, there was a huge disc got flew right over the guy's head and he watched two orange balls detach from it. If you go all the way back to Nuremberg in 1561, the great aerial battle with the cylinders and the crosses and the orbs in the sky, the orbs are seen coming out of cylinders. In the 1960s in Massachusetts, uh, you have cylinders over a lake releasing orbs. In France in 1954, I believe it was, you have a cylinder escorted by two orbs shooting electrical uh, impulses between each other. So there's a large amount of literature to suggest that these orbs, if they are some sort of life form, may be controlled by other life forms. If I'm remembering right, there's some great footage um, from Mexico, probably above Mexico City specifically, and where there seems to be these kind of long balloon type thing that almost looks like it's giving birth to multiple orbs. I've seen that, you, yes. Now, I, I don't specifically remember the colour and how important is the distinction that we're talking about orange herb, or orbs as opposed to any other colour? Well, this is what I'm working on now for, for MUFON. Uh, MUFON instituted a something called Project Orange, and it fell on my lab and Erica Lukes, who subsequently uh, isn't involved with it anymore, uh, to try to statistically analyze uh, orbs. Okay? So... What Project Orange is trying to do is quantify the behaviors and such. So we analyzed 489 cases to date in 48 states for seven Fourth of July periods because July 4th is the heaviest orb sighting day of the year. So we tried to get a week of data and we're almost done. But of the 489 cases we've done so far, we correlated what's the colors of these orbs in various MUFON reports. And 40% total are uh, orange, followed by 35% red, yellow next, and blue, then green, then violet. Violet's less than 1%. So the majority of orb cases seem to be orange, and that's why we take a, an interest in it. We're trying right now to get somebody to do a spectrographic analysis of an orb, uh, if they can capture it on film. There's an app called SpectraSnap, uh, which is by the American Physical Association, uh, a group of physicists, where you can actually turn your iPhone into a spectrograph. And 
our theory is that these objects, these plasmas, may possibly be made out of strontium, uh, which is uh, a glowing red uh, uh, radioactive metal, or they may be phosphorus. Um, as you know, is, it, is this is this a bit like how you get sodium vapor lamps? You know, certain elements would excite. Yes, this, that's how you get different colors. Certain elements give different colors. So we believe that the the color of the orb may be based on what it's actually made out of. And yeah. forty percent are orange. That's why we call them orange orbs. That's the most prevalent color. Yeah, and I suppose um, I'm also thinking that, um, you know, in terms of uh, giving off visible light, things can be red hot and white hot. So it's like almost like an associated level of energy to do with the colour. I suppose I suppose it can be looked at from a couple of angles. There may be a very specific reason why there's this band of 40% because of, you know, whatever, how this thing travels and the amount of energy it's giving out or whatever or leaking or... Well, yes, in the, in the 1950s, especially uh, a lot of UFO reports, they noticed that as the UFO changed color, it would either slow down or accelerate. So they believed that color had something to do with the propulsion system. Let's break it here, guys. Sure. We're going to explore some of those indicators about UFO propulsion systems, orange orbs, living UFOs, and a few other things, more than a few other things. Robert Spearing joining Gene and Gogs, you're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place. And the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Soul Arc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy.
you may own a knife. But if it's not an indie hammered knife, it's not a knife. From the forge to the grinder to the sheath, each indie hammered knife is handcrafted using God-given talent. The result is the sharpest edge a knife can have and a true work of art. See a variety of knives and the complete knife kit at ihknives.com. Indie Hammered Knives. Custom knives made in America. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So Chris O'Brien is off this week. Gogs McKay is our guest co-host. We've got Robert Spearing, MUFON field investigator, and... I guess we'll call you the expert on orange orbs. You were telling us about cases in the 1950s where the color of the UFO depended on whether it was slowing down or changing its flight pattern. Right, right. Those were nuts and bolts craft. They definitely found a correlation between the colors uh, and the speed of the craft. This was when the Air Force was investigating prior to Project Blue Book, Project Sign. They were sending memos between the chief of the Air Force and Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, uh, trying to delineate the different types of UFOs. And among them were amorphous balls of light. Uh, And the colors uh, suggested that the more red that it was, the closer it was to infrared. Ivan T. Sanderson believed that before a UFO would blink out, it would turn red because it was going into the infrared range. And that's why it became invisible to humans. We call that blinking out. Uh, So when they come into existence, and John Keel felt the same way about this, they come in from the purple part of the spectrum, the ultraviolet spectrum, into visible light. Now, Bob, earlier on, I kind of quickly touched on this, um, one of these cases in Mexico where you seem to have one larger object giving birth to smaller ones. Now, have you seen these in with the orange orbs, any kind of similar phenomenon? 
Yes, uh, many times. If I, like I said earlier, if you go back to uh, Nuremberg in 1561, you have the orbs coming out of the cylinders in that aerial battle. In Massachusetts, you have cylinders releasing glowing balls. In France, you have the balls at the orbs escorting a cylinder. And what's also interesting about the orb cylinder connection is that in all of these stories or accounts or the woodcut from 1561 by Hans Glazer. The cylinder is always at a 45 degree angle. So we believe that it has something to do with the operation of the release mechanism that allows these orange orbs to, to be released from cylinders. Uh, and lately, we've been getting reports of orange orbs associated with black triangles. As cylinder sightings decrease and decrease greatly in the 21st century, the amount of Black Triangle sightings is increasing, as is the number of sightings in conjunction with orange orbs trailing or being attached to the back of the Black Triangles. Do we have any reason to believe that the military or the Air Force, whatever, the military-industrial complex, have any interest specifically in the orange orb phenomenon? Well, yes, I'm really glad you asked that question because we noticed something over the past 14 months. If you go to my website, and I'll give you details later, I have an article on it about helicopters chasing orbs. Over the past 14 months, MUFON has gotten an inordinate amount of reports of people witnessing low-flying blacked-out helicopters chasing small red lights just over the roofs of neighborhoods. These aren't quiet Apache helicopters. These are loud Sigorsky-type military helicopters, uh, and they seem to be flying in a blacked-out way without any sort of navigation or anti-collision lights, flying dangerously low, making people's windows rattle. Uh, so we don't know if these helicopters are escorting these orbs or if they're chasing them trying to figure out what they are but i spoke with an apache helicopter pilot who was stationed out of mcguire air force base uh in new jersey and he said that it's suicide for helicopters to fly in the fashion that they're flying they wear night vision goggles all the time when they fly at night and they only have a split second to react when they see something so if they're flying low like over a roof or or by a uh, telephone pole or some sort of microwave tower, the chances of them getting into an accident are crazy. So you have to ask yourself, what is so important about chasing a little ball of red light that these blacked out helicopters would fly such dangerous patterns? Yeah, I believe there's a really good, uh, well-documented case in which uh, I think it was a police helicopter was following maybe orange, maybe green orb, and I believe it may even have been included in one of the Hangar 1 episodes. Am I, am I remembering this right? Yes, you are. I, I remember yeah. seeing the video of that on one of the TV shows, yes. Um, and they never came out and told you what it was that they saw that they were flying next to. No, I think you're right there, yeah. I just want to get into more of this and get the separation. So we have the orange orbs and we've got the nuts and bolts craft. And right. I want to spend a little time with nuts and bolts here. So okay. nuts and bolts, by your definition, Robert, these would be physical spacecraft from somewhere. Right. Discs, cylinders, triangles, that type of thing. 
where are they from is a good question. Are they extraterrestrial? Are they interdimensional? Are they black ops from the United States government? And I, if we answered those questions, we wouldn't be, you know, studying it so intensely still, you know. It's interesting to think that, let's just say, for instance, orange orbs are some innate life form intelligence uh, that, that originate from the Earth. Right. And let's just say, for instance, that there are nuts and bolts craft coming from elsewhere. There's no reason to think that if they were visiting here for whatever reason they are, got interest in humans or whatever... They have got every reason just to be just as interested in this other possible life form. So, I mean, it could be humans and beings from elsewhere, other dimensions or other planets. And we are both individually studying this strange plasma orange life form. Yes, there's also a theory out there that they may be some sort of organic probe from aliens. A, a good example is is in... um. Earl Naval Weapons Station in New Jersey and several other places around the United States where when we've pegged orange orb sightings in certain areas of, say, New Jersey, we found that there's large concentrations over uh, military installations, but not any kind of military installation. You would think it would be an Air Force base, but it's not. It's usually weapons depots, uh, ammunition factories, and nuclear testing sites uh, where these objects are. So it seems that they are drawn for some reason to sites where weaponry uh, is made. This makes you wonder if these things are just some sort of basic intelligent creatures or if they have some sort of purpose. Now, what about the worldwide distribution? Do you have any information on about uh, orange orbs elsewhere out, out with North America? No, we've concentrated basically on the United States in this Project Orange that we're doing. But I can tell you that Canada, southern Canada, has a large concentration of orbs uh, on both sides of the border. Lake Erie and Lake Ontario are hotbeds. Ivan T. Sanderson, the cryptozoologist and, and ufologist in the 1960s and 70s, believed that orange orbs come from a base underneath Lake Erie. We did a study as part of Project Orange to see if when the lake freezes over, as Lake Erie does every couple of years, if orange orbs decrease. And in the spring, when there's algae blooms, when a lot of phosphorus is given off, we found that uh, orange orbs increase in those areas. So, And phosphorus is in fireworks also. And there's an enormous amount of sightings. 67% of sightings on the 4th of July entail an orb and fireworks. Fireworks have phosphorus and strontium, which is a, a radioactive element. So we believe there's something drawing these orbs to fireworks and to algae blooms in Lake Erie. There's actually somebody who has a website devoted to Lake Ontario orb sightings. Uh, so it is is a and the Amer the American and Canadian Indians used to call them wizard lights around Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. So we know that there's a high percentage of sightings in Canada. Is, is there much associated or reported high strange events um, along with sightings of orange orbs? No. What's interesting is that um, orbs seem to avoid contact. They, it seems like they want to be seen, but they don't want to be studied and observed close up. And there's only like one or two stories that we're aware of where people actually lost time 
uh, when viewing uh, an orange orb. I met a girl uh, two years ago who said that an orange orb came down and scanned her, uh, and she felt that she was being violated. Um, so, uh, but stories about actual abduction are very rare. The one that really, oh, okay, you were going to say something? Uh, I was just going to say, do, do we know the, um, is there much of a, a range of sizes? Do, uh, are there any um, decent sightings in which someone's been able to make a, a decent guesstimate of the kind of size these objects are? Well, that's one of the weaknesses of the, the CMS reporting system in MUFON. We've got Gene and Gogs, you're in the podcast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We got Gene and Goggs. Goggs is our guest co-host this week. Robert Sparing is talking with Goggs about the phenomenon of orbs. Before we go on with these descriptions, now... Obviously, science has not accepted the reality of UFOs from outer space. What do they say about orange orbs, if anything? 
there's differing opinions on it. You have Professor Strand in Norway with the Hestalen lights who believes that they are balls of plasma, uh, not just one ball, but balls of different size contained within that give off uh, low frequency uh, radiation and are capable of splitting. He believes that there's some sort of high temperature plasma balls in 95% of the cases. And in 5% of the cases, he concludes that they may be solid objects. There's also people who believe that it's all ball lightning. What's interesting about ball lightning is that it's usually no bigger than a fist, to go back to Gog's question about size, whereas orbs seem to be the ones that we've studied mostly between four and ten feet when people try to estimate their size. And the difference, the main difference between ball lightning and orbs is that ball lightning explodes after several seconds uh, in Less than 1% of our cases, orange orbs explode, and most of them last well over several seconds. Then there's earth lights or earthquake lights, which seem to appear just prior to earthquakes. And this has happened all over the world. Uh, there's a fellow who, who wrote several books on it. I believe his name is Paul Devereaux, perhaps, who believes that they're the result of friction uh, between rocks causing uh, two effects, one called triboluminescence and one called piezoelectricity. Our feeling is that these are not strong enough forces to create the orbs that we're seeing. Uh, I believe that, that ball lightning is in the same family, possibly, as in earthquake lights, but there's definitely different opinions as to what they are. And then, of course, there's the, the standard orange orb theory in ufology that says these things may be either some sort of living intelligent plasma or some sort of artificial alien probe artificial alien probe let's explore that for a couple of minutes here if the aliens are here and they're sending probes those probes possibly would be things we couldn't understand anyway so right. why assume that's what they might be because they act so intelligent and seem to have a purpose, like with the military bases. Why is there an inordinate amount of sightings around military bases? Uh, it's possible that there's some form of technology that we have no clue about or that they've been uh, corralled as some sort of living entity to be used by uh, aliens or whoever else may be using them uh, when we talk about them in conjunction with, with, with uh, cylinders and triangles. So they, they may be some sort of living technology that we have no idea about because it's not from Earth. Okay, it's been common, obviously, over the years in the UFO field to speak of UFOs as physical objects from outer space, from beings who are here for reasons we may not even understand. Well, we get back to the early days of ufology because it dates back to that, this right. theory. Question, obviously, is this. How do we prove? How do we know? They're really spaceships and not something else. That's, that's the hardest question of all. Uh, I believe that uh, there are people on this planet who know what uh, UFOs are, uh, especially the nuts and bolts kind. 
there's so much information that has squeaked out over the years uh, that the government knows more than they let on. Uh, until we actually capture one, you know, until we actually get the spectrographic analysis of an orange orb um, or possibly communicate with one, uh, we're not going to know what's really going on. But I think that the overwhelming amount of evidence suggests that something is going on, whether it's U.S. government, whether it's alien, whether it's interdimensional, or whether it's life forms native to Earth that we just don't understand yet. I don't think we have the answers, and I don't think we're going to have the answers for a long time. All right. If the government, any government, is hiding information, they know more than we do. And we assume they ought to in a situation like this. Do they know the answer and are just hiding it from us, or are they afraid to give us the answer because they don't know? I think that 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 um, human beings in this day and age are capable of handling the truth. Um, there's several ideas that you know they they're afraid that there'll be panic, that there'll be uh, mass social collapse, that religions will uh, cause thousands of people to kill themselves because they've been proven invalid. Uh, I don't think any of that's going to happen. Uh, if you go into this, the secret space program, uh, we may actually be doing business with entities that may not be from this world and that's why they're trying to keep it undercover uh because the real reason people may get mad if we find out there's other races that are involved with us is that uh we've been doing business with them and people have been making a lot of money doing it and we're sort of like a client state all right let's explore that a little bit here you do have a section on your site about this secret space program. We've talked about it here in the sense of setting up bases on the moon, etc. But we haven't really probed so much the possibility that we're in touch with E.T. and we're working together. So if we're in touch with E.T. and it's about commerce, what kind of business are we doing with them? I would think that the biggest natural resource that we have that aliens would want would be water. Uh, there was there was a theory that the uh, uh, the explosion in Siberia in 1908 was actually a spaceship trying to uh, obtain water from the largest freshwater lake in the world, which is in Siberia. Uh, but why would they have to go here for water? There's water on what some of the moons of Saturn. There's water on the moon. There's water on Mars. Why come here? Uh, it could, could be for gold. Uh, if you go back to the Anunnaki stories, uh, Anunnaki stories um, from from Sitchin, uh, they came for gold. Gold is a precious commodity. You can gold, use gold for a lot of other things besides money. It's a great shielding metal. Uh, so it's possible that you know they've been mining gold here on Earth for millennia. But why come here? Aren't there other planets in the universe that have similar? geological makeups why have to come to earth why bother with the locals well maybe they need the locals maybe you know we're not as free as uh as we think remember obama said on uh, the jimmy kimmel show you know i can't tell you that because our masters would kill us if i released that type of information that's a comedy show folks that's a comedy show Right. But I, you know, was he fooling around or was he like laying, you know, some sort of, you know, other message on people when he said that? 
are we reading a little too much? Because I know we have one guest who comes on the show occasionally, Grant Cameron, and he specializes in what presidents knew or know about UFOs. And I've heard the thing about Obama, him making comments, and he has a great sense of humor. And I think if they really wanted to let us in on some kind of secret, they wouldn't drop a casual phrase on a comedy late night show. They do something else, don't you think? Yes, I, I don't think that disclosure is going to come. Um, if it does, it, I, I don't think it's going to come from the government. It's going to come from something like the Catholic Church that says there are brothers. Um, so I'm not holding my breath for, discl- for the disclosure project. I was going to say, remember that there's that um, oft-spoken um, maxim, many a true word is spoken in jest. Then again, maybe Obama, who is a pretty bright guy, made those comments thinking, ah, those flying saucer believers will really seize this one and try to make something out of it. Or maybe not. We have Robert Spearing. We're talking about orange orbs, UFO reality, and we're getting into disclosure. What do our governments know? And are they maybe even engaged in commerce with E.T.? E.T.-style commerce. Hmm. Our guest co-host is Gogs Mackay. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the podcast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi there, Dick Allgaier here. I was a mainstream television news reporter for over three decades. I normally never do commercial endorsements. I am very skeptical of health supplements. But a friend of mine told me about his experience with Synergy One, so I purchased a bottle, and my wife and I have been using it for a few weeks now. I very much dislike so-called energy boosters, those little energy drinks that have caffeine and guarana and other things that make your heart race. This is not that. My experience with Synergy One has been great. My mood is better. My joints feel better. I have more vigor, more stamina, way increased productivity. My wife and I both noticed that we even dream more. So I recommend Synergy One. It's really good stuff. I'm having great results with it. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. 
At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Oh, we're open to lots of possibilities. We have some questions from listeners later from forum.theparacast.com. But our guest is Robert Spearing. And Goggs was talking to him about his comments about what interactions our government might be having with E.T. And not about night vision goggles, by the way, I don't think, because they were invented in the 30s by the Germans. Goggs, you want to go on? Well, yeah, I was just uh, mentioning that um, the old saying that many a true word is spoken in jest and I'm not saying Obama or any president would set out to reveal anything on Jimmy Kimmel's show or, or whatever. But at the same time, I think they know they're going to get asked that question when they go on that show. Who's the guy that was on one of the TV shows who is supposedly uh, really looking into the body language of the presidents as they say this to try and... This this guy worked... Was it Ben Hansen? He used to uh, work at the behavioural sciences bit, I believe, in the FBI. So he has studied the art of trying to tell whether someone is lying or not by their body language and their choice of words and stuff. And he has made some kind of interesting uh, comments uh, from his analysis of Bill Clinton and Obama um, from being on that show when they're asked those specific questions. And one way to to get through that show, to get through that question without lying 
if they do know some kind of dirty secrets, would be to make a joke. Uh, and that joke may be partially true. So it's a kind of way to, to answer, to deflect the question, but not lie so that anyone looking can see that, well, this guy looks like he's telling the truth because he's not doing all the the usual tells for when someone is really trying hard to lie, um, maybe trying to cheat a lie detector test or something. I don't have any scientific evidence, but I personally know that there are several of my friends and extended family, not all of them, but some of them, I always know when they're lying because they do these same little things. They maybe stutter when they never do normally. And I believe virtually anyone, probably all of us, without any kind of training and serious effort, probably do various things we're unaware of when we're lying. So I'm not putting, you know, 100% faith in Ben Hansen's analysis, but I do, I do think it's at least worth looking at. We can't forget the classic definition of how to know when a politician is lying. And that's when they open their mouths. So just just staying on the politicians and UFO thing for a minute, um, the current president, has anyone asked him any UFO-related questions yet? I'm not aware of any, but it may have happened. I don't think so. I think that the the last person that was asked was uh, former President George W. Bush on Jimmy Kimmel maybe three, four months ago. Uh, he got antsy and said there's some things he just can't talk about. The Internet went crazy the next day with that statement. Yeah. Now, is it usually former presidents that are on Jimmy Kimmel or was <laughs> Obama was on when he was a current president, was he? Yeah. Yes, he was when he was current. So there's there's a chance maybe that Donald Trump may be on before his um, terms up. Could be. I don't think he's their type of politics for that show, but it's possible. Yeah. I don't but think I don't that's think the kind of question that seems to be on his radar. I mean, they did oh, ask yeah. Hillary Clinton about UFOs on several occasions during the course of the campaign, and she said, of course, if she was elected president, she'd look into it. But we also know that her chief aide, John Podesta, has a personal interest in UFOs. He wrote the introduction to Leslie Kane's book on the subject. Right. But the thing I wonder about is now that that's all far away in terms of the political world, where if you lose, it's forgotten. Podesta so strongly opinionated about UFOs. Why isn't he saying anything? Does she have to be president? She was married to a former president. If she knows something, why can't she say it now? Yeah, I'm not buying it at all from John Podesta because he's already been a chief of staff to a president, has he not? So if he was going to be able to find out these things or whatever, he already had his chance with Bill Clinton. Um, And so I'm just not buying that... Right. Had Hillary been voted in, that he was suddenly going to do things that he was unable to do before or whatever. If he's had this real interest in UFOs, he's already been in the position. And also he was involved with um, Obama's administration, I believe. But he yes, certainly- he was. But you're raising an interesting yeah. point here. Let's just focus on this for a moment here. And that is, he writes the introduction to a UFO book, but he's already in the government. Now, it's possible then that he did talk to Obama and he was told to drop the subject. Right. Or felt that wasn't the appropriate venue for it. And then we have 
former Secretary Clinton expressing this interest. But now that she can speak her mind, she's not saying anything at all. So you wonder here, did they just say that to get the UFO vote? (laughs) Oh, I think that's definitely possible. Uh, They were trying to get as many little bits of coalitions together as they could. And now that it doesn't matter to them, we're not going to hear anything about it anymore. And I don't think it's on Donald Trump's radar. So I don't think we're going to hear anything about it anytime soon. I suppose the only um, the only avenue still open uh, with what we are talking about and John Podesta will be a certain former front frontman of Blink One Eight Two, right? Because uh, John Podesta's yeah, Tom DeLong. That's that. It's through Tom DeLong that I've I suppose I've heard the latest anything to do with John Podesta. Um, supposedly current, his contacts with him are certainly been in the last year, I'd say, or even maybe since the election. So um, now I've got my own problems with the whole Tom DeLong thing, like, oh, I've got all this information, I'm talking to these guys, but I can't tell you quite yet here by my book. Um, I'm just very dubious as to why uh, any high-ranking Air Force general um, would if they hadn't already done it, why would they just suddenly open up to Tom DeLong? And I'm just not buying his thing. I don't. I, I don't hate the guy or anything, but it's just we've seen this all before in ufology um, with you know Stephen Greer and some other guys. Like, yeah, we know this. We know this. We can't tell you quite yet, but we will soon. And it never comes. It never ever comes. So. What do you think about that, Bob? Before we have that answer, just want to raise one more thing about it, too. Don't forget his books are fiction. Even if they allegedly have a factual basis, they are fiction books. I guess it's easy to say they're ripped from the headlines, and he's saying there is a factual basis, and if you read my book, you'll find the secret, and I'll sell a few books, and there you go, because I'm not making much money as a rock and roll star anymore. I added that, by the way. Robert Sparing, Gene Steinberg, Gogs Mackay, you're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. You may own a knife. But if it's not an indie hammered knife, it's not a knife. From the forge to the grinder to the sheath, each indie hammered knife is handcrafted using God-given talent. The result is the sharpest edge a knife can have and a true work of art. See a variety of knives and the complete knife kit at ihknives.com. Indie hammered knives. Custom knives made in America. We use cell phones against our heads every day. But now, a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. 
Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. So, Robert Sparing, having talked about this rock and roller who seems to know the secrets, what's your perception? Tom DeLong supposedly said roughly 60 days ago that within 60 days he was going to make a major announcement that will shock the UFO world. I don't think it's going to happen. But you see, that's the latest in people saying it's going to happen. I'll have a major announcement. Stephen Bassett saying that Obama would reveal the truth before his term ended. And certainly he had nothing to lose, especially after Clinton lost. He had nothing to lose. So if he knew something, he could have said it. 
It's just, it's just the old, the end of the world is nigh story, you know, it's just 2012, disclosure's imminent, it's just uh, virtually any time you get a supposed prediction of this earth-shattering news, you know, it's never, ever, ever came true, um, so... I just cannot believe anyone buys any of it until, you know, show me the money, show me the money, show me the money. And the, the other thing is that whereas UFOs and orange orbs are concerned, we've been seeing them for millennia. It's like it's not like they just showed up and they want to go into business with us. These things have been here for a long, long time. So I don't think we're going to get any sort of earth-shattering news anytime soon if it hasn't happened over the millennia. Doesn't that make it frustrating, though, Robert? And you're a field investigator for MUFON. MUFON's been around since 1969. And you got all this data. And as you say, you know, maybe there are things you could put in their database that aren't there now. But what have they to show for it? We don't really know what UFOs are. We have the same suspicions we had in 1952. Well, that's one of my big problems with MUFON is that they just collect information. Nobody there is really investigating it. So Yes, I yes. Let me clap my hands here. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. What I'm trying to do is statistically analyze orange orbs. I'm looking at – it's going to be like 600 cases by the time I'm done, their color, how many times they shoot beams of light down from the sky, how many times they blink out, how many times they make right angle turns out of, you know, and work out percentages to see which things are valid and which are not. Is there more orange orb sightings when there's more sunspots? That type of thing I'm trying to do right now to see if I can come up with this statistical model that says here is what an orb is and what it does. And from that try to extract why it may be here. The Nuremberg woodcut, remembering it, it's just, as you were saying, I found it really interesting you're saying how these cylinders tend to be at a 45, was it, degree angle. Um, but yes, yeah, with my mental image of that, that woodcut, it's just, you know, it just seems that there just cannot be any other explanation other than those residents then saw similar things in the sky and if this has been kind of like unchanged going back that far um did, are there any kind of like biblical accounts that marry up pretty well with the orange sphere well yeah there's two accounts from the reign of Thutmose the third pharaoh of egypt 1500 bc so 3500 years ago the first one's a very famous story of a gentleman by the name of Tully, who worked for the Vatican archives, came across a papyrus, an Egyptian papyrus in 1932, that purportedly had uh, a story of uh, circles of fire arriving in the sky and um, hovering over the capital of Egypt. And they didn't know what to make of it. They prostrated themselves, uh, and then the circles came lower. And then one day, all fish and rocks and stuff fell out of the sky. What I think was happening there was they were taking on water, these objects, and spitting out what they didn't need. Now, the, the papyrus disappeared when Mr. Tully died. I believe it was 1952. But it was reviewed by several Egyptologists at the time, and it was translated twice. So it is a very low chance that it was a fraud. Uh, what makes it more compelling is that in the same reign of Thutmose III, uh, of Egypt, uh, there was a a stella found. The stella is a 
piece of mortar that has been engraved upon. And on it is what's called the story of the miracle of the star. And apparently the third was involved in a civil war in Egypt. The north and the south were fighting. And a white star came down from the sky and obliterated his enemy's army. Now, you would say this couldn't be a meteorite because it would have been very non-discriminating that it was some sort of planned attack uh, in order that Tutmos would win. Why would this white star, this orb, come down and influence history? That's just the first of a long line of stories. Uh, you have you have Scotland uh, fighting England, where, uh, I forget his name, the, the leader of the, the Scots saw a red ball in the sky floating and took it as a sign to attack England, and he won. In 1905, in Ergen, Wales, you who had a woman who was doing a church revival and orange balls were following her all over the place. Earlier in Wales, in the 1690s, you had orbs coming out of the sea setting fire to haystacks and barns. Uh, th there's thousands of stories. On my website, I have a collection of newspaper clippings from the 1800s through the 20th century of just story after story after story of orbs and their activity. Uh now, Bob, I suppose we've got to touch on this way. What about orange orbs and the demonic? You know, I my personal feeling is that they're not demonic. There are people who believe that there's definitely a spiritual um, component to orbs in that there is definitely people who believe that there's some sort of spiritual messengers. I have not seen any evidence to back that up. Okay, uh, of all of the contacts that people seem to have made with orbs, it's very basic. Move here, move there, the orb does it. Come closer, go away, it does it. There were two people, one of them's dead now, um, uh, who claimed that they could have telepathic contact with orbs uh, and that they were spiritual beings. Um, but whether these two guys are frauds or not, uh, you know, is still up in the air. The guy's name was uh, Prophet Yahweh. Have you ever heard of him? His real name was Ramon Watkins. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, and there's some debate about whether he was a fraud or not. But he scared the living daylights out of a TV station, uh, Channel 13 KTNLV, uh, Mike Delestrito, news reporter, who filmed him actually summon an orb, you know, and using religious chants. So... Was there some religious component to this or was it just some sort of fraud where he had somebody far away shooting a light up in the sky? I don't know. But as far as hard factual data, there is little to none that these things are spiritual or demonic entities. I believe there are some people right now who claim to be able to call in UFOs quite often, not necessarily orange in colour orbs, but certainly orbs. And I've seen some, you know, intriguing videos maybe over in Los Angeles or something with some people who managed to seem to, got, you know, get a bit of a crowd going and, you know, wouldn't, you know, after a few minutes, 
a strange couple of objects start appearing in the sky. And these objects, from what I've seen, well, it doesn't look like doctored videos, and the objects certainly don't look like it's somebody flying a drone somewhere. So, I, you know, I don't know if there's any truth to it, but there are definitely people right now who are, you know, alive right now who claim to be able to, you know, telepathically call in um, some kind of orbs. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to claim their angelic or, or whatever um, but I suppose the kind of wishy-washy spiritual uh, attitude um, kind of seems to usually go with these type of people the ones who believe that you can telepathically communicate with UFOs um, and th that may well be the case, I certainly do not discount any right. telepathic communication right. Um I don't think I've got much faith in um, Stephen Greer's vectoring in of things. I'm going to vector into um, something else here. And after we finish that vector, we'll get back with Bob Sparing and Gene and Goggs. You're in. The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at shelterpod.com. The Shelter Pod at shelterpod.com. Shelter when you need it most. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. 
You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. Hey, diabetics. Yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get what my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But Pill Pack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, your meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need Pill Pack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. Be prepared for the next disaster with the shelter pod the shelter pod is a large all-season heavy-duty quick deploy shelter the shelter pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit water filter survival tools and more are you prepared to take care of your family do you have everything in one place ready to go get it now or enter to win a complete shelter pod system at shelterpod.com the shelter pod at shelterpod.com shelter when you need it most this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. As we vector back into the Paracast with Robert Sparing and the Orange Orbs, I'd like to explore the orbs a bit more, but we were sort of getting into secret space programs and we kind of just went back. And before we get into the possibility of commanding UFOs or at least calling them, I just want to ask you briefly about the secret space program and then we'll come back to this. And that is, what evidence is there that we have a space program that we know nothing about other than launching spy satellites? Well, Michael Schratt is the expert on that, and he believes that that um, there's definitely black triangles that are U.S.-made and that there are black triangles that are not U.S.-made. Who makes these triangles? I don't know, but um, the, the, um, the, the, the point is, is that the Navy – which has a much larger space program than NASA is doing something with black budget programs that nobody knows anything about. You can Google the U.S. budget and find these programs, and it gives no description of what they are. We're spending a lot of money. So by inference, Michael Schatt is trying to say that uh, we may be doing a lot more in space than what we let on we're doing. That's the argument here. It is the level of exploration. As I said, spy satellites, you understand. Those things may right. not be counted for in the budget. But still, anything else sounds like 
just a guessing game. Where does he find facts to base this on? There really isn't other than, you know, ledger entries in, in budgets, you know, for the United States government that shows something's going on that we have no idea about. So why you know, assume it's this and not a secret weapons program or some kind of secret spy program? Right, there's not. And I mean, and if you look at all of these supposed structures on Mars and structures on the moon, none of these pictures really show you anything definitive. So they could just be, you know, pixelation problems and not actual uh, structures at all. A lot of this is just guesswork. That's our point. You know? That's our point. A lot of this yeah, is guesswork, and we really don't have a lot of facts to present here. And it could be That's anything. Right. And let's leave it That's there. right. But let's go back to the telepathic command here. Mm-hmm. Now, so you think of something and then it happens. I suppose it could be coincidence unless you can do it repeatedly over a number of, of attempts and you get a positive result. So what do we have here? Out of 498 cases that we've done so far, 2% of the cases had telepathic contact between people. So 98% of orb cases have nothing. And of the 2% that we verified people had some sort of claim to have some sort of telepathic content, it was nothing substantial. It was move here, move away, blink for me, very simple commands. Whether the orb was coming down to the level of intelligence of the human uh, or whether it was the same level of intelligence as a human, that's about as deep as the uh, conversations got between humans and orbs. And the other question is here, when they made these commands, how many times did they make commands that were not obeyed? Are they just remembering the positive results and not the 2,000 attempts where they tried to command them to do (laughs) something and they did nothing? Right. As far as I'm concerned and Project Orange is concerned, 2% is an inconsequential amount of a behavior for these orbs. So we don't really think telepathic communication goes on. What is the share between daylight and nighttime sightings of orange orbs? Well, I haven't studied daytime orbs, but there's a lot of them. The only thing that I did with daytime orbs was um, uh, I made a map of New Jersey and I pegged all of the orange orb sightings uh, to New Jersey over the past 10 years. And then I took all of the daytime sightings of white lights in the sky and silver spheres or metallic spheres, and I pegged them to a map and overlapped them to see what would happen. And the sighting areas in New Jersey are identical for daytime and nighttime orbs. Whether that translates across the country or across the world, I don't know. Nobody's done a big enough study, but in the state of New New Jersey, uh, it seems that the phenomena are both the same phenomenon. You know, Bob, how if in let, let's talk about nighttime sightings for a minute. Right. If you're to have three orange orbs up in the sky, you know, at any time these three points of light could be interpreted as a triangle with a point at each corner, just, you know, going through various uh, motions and stuff. So you're seeing this triangle at various kind of uh, um, aspects, I suppose. And I think a, a lot of people bemoan the fact that so many UFO videos these days only consist of 
points of light in the sky. Right. Um, but I, I am interested to to wonder if um, you know if sometimes the uh, the black the nighttime black triangle is a bit of a difficult thing to suss out, but. Uh, it's interesting to wonder whether um, there are triangular objects in the sky at night, and I'm sure there are, but also I wonder if ever these orange orbs almost deliberately fly in formation to appear to be triangles. Well, the problem with triangles, a lot of people say these things were in formation. We tend to take more serious when they're in an echelon formation or some sort of line following each other rather than a triangle. Because if you have three objects in the sky near each other, they're going to form a triangle. So it may yeah. just be coincidental that they're triangles. Um So we don't really take too seriously triangle formations. Yeah, so so you're you're saying that, um, for instance, if you have a, a, a formation that looks like some of these formations that were seen in the Hudson Valley flap in the early eighties, right. right, where you you may have like a boomerang shape with four lights on each wing, as as you call it, so that that becomes far less likely just to be an accident of three lights looking like a triangle. Right. Well, when you get when you get um people who say I could see the stars blotted out by this black shadow uh, that was in the shape of a triangle, we tend to look at that as a solid craft, not three lights in triangular formation. Uh, and we get a lot of those uh, where people actually see that the object is darker than the background of the sky. So we know that there's an object there and that it's just not three lights. Now, we haven't covered flares yet, because obviously a lot of um, flares uh, could look similar to orange orbs, and uh, I'm certainly not saying that flares are responsible. Um, but what, off the top of your head, do you know what the, 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 the standard colour for uh, military and rescue flares is? Well, they're, I'm thinking they're- of Phoenix Lights here. That will flare like when you go into hoaxes like um, uh, road flares attached to helium balloons. The problem is less than one percent of orb sightings uh, use the color pink. Okay, Uh, so we think that there's a very low incidence of flares being used. Flares will go straight up um, because they're attached to a balloon. They will not hover, which is what orbs do sometimes for long periods of time. Uh, The flares reflect off the bottom of the balloon so that it looks like there's a halo around the top of the flare. These are different ways that you can tell that it's not a real orb, that it's a uh, flare attached to a balloon. The other thing is is that flares only last two minutes, even the military flares that light up battlefields. I've had discussions with people from flare companies about how long they, they last, the parachute kind, um, and two minutes is the max for like maritime flares and for battlefield flares. So these objects that we're seeing are usually not pink, and they uh, last a lot longer than how long a flare would last. It's the same thing with Chinese lanterns. We did a lot of work with Chinese lanterns, especially the fuel cells. Chinese lanterns have two types of fuel cells. Uh, one is one is cardboard and one is fiberglass. They're both coated with palmitic acid, which is a waxy substance which burns rapidly. We found that most Chinese lanterns with paper uh, fuel cells only stay aloft three minutes, whereas ones with the fiberglass square fuel cells stay aloft for six minutes. A lot of our 
our sightings are far longer than six minutes. So you can rule out uh, Chinese lanterns in many, many cases, uh, even though they're much more prevalent than uh, helium balloon hoaxes. Uh, you can rule out uh, Chinese lanterns in a lot of the cases, especially given that they're flying against the wind, that they're not going vertical, uh, but hovering in place. These are signs that we're not looking at lanterns or flares. We'll have more discussions with the possibilities of the orange orbs and other phenomena with Robert Sparing and Gene Steinberg and Gogs Mackay. You're in the podcast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all season, heavy duty, quick deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at shelterpod.com. The Shelter Pod at shelterpod.com. Shelter when you need it most. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have a second radio show after the Paracast with show wrap-ups, color commentary, special interviews, and more. And it's offered only if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus to learn more, go to plus, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. We offer a commercial-free version of this show and other amenities and free, real, genuine printed books for subscriptions of five years or longer, including Paul and Ben Eno's Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. 
plus.thepowercast.com. Gogs, we have a few questions from our listeners that could spark further discussions of orange orbs and other stuff. Could you dig out a few? We do indeed. So questions can be posted for upcoming guests at forum.theparacast.com. All right, let's have a look here. Now, some of the questions, I believe, have kind of been covered already. But here's one, uh, and this question comes from Skymon876. And the question is, aren't red stroke orange spheres or balls of light something spotted in the skies dating back into past generations before drones or Chinese lanterns were popular? So we've already covered that. But he says here, an example of this might be the Fatima sighting. Now, I'm aware of what the Fatima sighting is, but I wasn't sure of specifics. Do you know of any kind of orange orb type phenomena in the Fatima sighting, which I believe is for Portugal? Right. I just read about the Fatima sighting something uh, in a book. Basically, they think it was a, a some sort of disk that people mistook for the sun, that it wasn't really an orb of any sort, but that it was an actual reflecting silver nuts and bolts craft of some sort, uh, making people believe that a miracle was occurring. Uh, I don't think that orbs, uh, per se, from what we've been doing, uh, have had much religious significance in sightings, uh, but that they have caused wars. There seems to be a violent tendency rather than a religious tendency with orbs. Would you explain further? I'd like to hear that. For example, violence has been associated with, with orbs for a long, long time. When the uh, miracle of the star occurred with Tutmos III, the pharaoh of Egypt, wiped out a whole army, an orb. Uh, in the 1600s, barns, orbs came out of, the, out of the ocean and burned down barns and, and haystacks in Wales. In 1959, there's the famous Dilatov Pass incident where a bunch of skiers were found in a horrendous state in a Russian mountain pass, some with their tongues cut out, some with their skulls crushed, some, some were naked or in their underwear and they don't know what happened to these people except that the villagers nearby this mountain pass said that they saw many orange orbs the night that this uh, tragedy befell these campers and of course as I mentioned earlier you have uh, the Ethiopia sighting which was investigated by Vale and uh, and Hynek uh, about the orb that came through the town and backtracked and destroyed several buildings killed a little girl uh, and ripped up the road yeah, I, I find the Dyatlov Pass incident is an amazing one. And there, there are some other details about, for instance, it almost looks like they, whatever frightened these people either caused some of them to take their clothes off or not put on their clothes to go out into some horrendous temperatures. And they were found, uh, you know, whatever distance away in various states of undress, uh, you know, as if they'd had to run away. I believe there was a hole in the tent as well or it yes. was ripped to pieces there, yes. was, there was just lots of strange little aspects to it no one explanation seems to fit everything for it uh, I'd encourage anyone who just likes weird mysteries if they haven't read up on the Dyatlov Pass instance to definitely look it up a movie was made of it a couple of years ago as well okay we've got another question here from Ronaway who is actually somebody that's going to go to the conference in Scotland later this year and meeting up with me, which I'm looking forward to. And his question basically says that as a teen, a friend and himself, Ron, were chased across fields by two white lights. 
They turned and ran towards the lights, which then accelerated away much quicker than they had been chasing them. Have you had any similar reports? So basically, he's talking about orbs that seem to have followed, stroke, chased somebody. They've turned round to, like, meet them head on, and then they've shot off in another direction even faster, all leading towards the possibly intelligent control kind of theory. Yes. As a matter of fact, what really started getting me involved with orbs when I was in MUFON was I read Terry Ray's book, uh, The Complete Story of the Worldwide Invasion of Orange Orbs, which really solidified for me that something was going on. Basically, uh, he did the original investigation for orbs, and his book has an investigation at the beginning and at the end he concludes it. But in the middle of the book, he has something like a hundred and something stories. And a lot of these stories are absolutely spine chilling of orbs chasing people uh, in forests uh, as if as if to uh, scare them intentionally. Um, there are also uh, several stories where entities may have been included with the orbs. So there's plenty of stories in Terry Ray's book uh, that suggest that orbs chase people. On my website, some of the clippings from the 1800s describe people interacting with orbs where they would try to get close to the orb and it would back away. They would try to corner the orb and the orb would outsmart them and move out of the way. And there were stories of orbs actually chasing people out of the woods. Uh, in 1905 in Wales, there was actually a woman who was running a religious revival and the orbs would actually follow her home when her carriage in the woods would make a right turn, the orbs would make a right turn following her cage. People took this as a significant religious experience, um, which I doubt it was. Uh, it just, it was something about whales and history, which orbs are attracted to. But yes, there's plenty of stories of orbs chasing people. Now, of course, um, if anyone who's read or Hunt for Skinwalker, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch story, uh, or just seen on the videos with George Knapp, etc., there are numerous incidents there um, where there are different coloured orbs, but certainly blue orbs seem to be associated with almost a power they have to instill fear automatically and powerfully without any other kind of reason for it, as if they can switch on fear and humans, you know, who knows the truth of this matter or not. But, but yes, um, I can spot there's a, there's a supposed haunted f forest in Romania that is uh, long been reported with strange phenomena and, Orange orbs are reported in the forest there. Uh, they've been captured on film, um, emotion and still. Um, but I, this is just a personal opinion, but some of these types of uh, near-to-the-ground orbs, I kind of get the impression that they're, well, the, the folklore seems to associate them with ghosts or the spirits of dead people or evil spirits or something Whereas you also get the ones higher up in the sky we've been talking about, which seems more of a UFO thing. Now, I don't know if there's like a, a Venn diagram crossover or these are two distinct, totally different phenomena, or it is all the same thing with one kind of uh, origin. Um, but uh, let, let's take another question here. I'm um, going right to the end of the questions that have been posted here. We have one here from uh, Spectre73, who's been posting since August of 2015. 
Um, and his question is, Bob, what is the cultural interpretation of UFOs and orb sightings in India? Now, I'm not sure why he asked India, but I presume you do. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with India, but in, in places like Indonesia, they believe that they're the ghosts of dead people um, and that uh, they've come back to haunt them. Um, they call them ghost lights. They call them demon lights. They call them evil lights. Um, we don't get that many orb cases in India, um, but I would believe that um, some cultures there uh, may consider them uh, 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 entities of the dead. Well, we've certainly talked about that subject, Entities of the Dead, on other episodes. We've got more to come with Bob Sparing and Gogs Mackay and Gene Steinberg. You're in the podcast. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Sick and tired of being sick and tired? Family Health and Education Resources wants to help you achieve and maintain good health naturally. Overcome lifestyle diseases with nutrition and natural remedies. Addiction recovery designed to build habits that heal rather than hurt. Communication and relationship building to strengthen family units. Character building and devotional resources for the whole family. We are on a mission to save America one family at a time. Visit NewEnglandFHER.com today. NewEnglandFHER.com.
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So Chris O'Brien went off for a doctor visit this morning, and we do hope he gets more of a handle on what's causing these ongoing lung problems. And we hope things will be better. We ask Oggs Mackay from his secret caverns beneath the Dero Capes in Scotland to join us. Right, Goggs? Yeah, uh, there's a bit of an echo in here down in the caverns, caverns, caverns. <laughs> so are you the Dero or are you the Tiro? No, I'm the crazy guy that related the story to Palmer. You are the reincarnation of Richard Shaver. Yeah, that's the guy. His name slipped away. I, I sort of, I'm, I'm getting too old because names. I'm just losing them all the time. But yeah, Richard Shaver, and um, Ray Palmer. Yeah, that that's the guy who would uh, publish the stories. I've never actually read any of these stories of the Deros and Tiros. I must do it someday. They haven't knocked on the walls of my uh, cavern yet. So, but if I keep an eye out next time, I'm on the magnetic train going over to North Carolina. Because lots of crazy things are happening in North Carolina. And by the way, Ray Palmer is not the character on the TV show Legends of Tomorrow, played by former Superman actor Brandon Routh. Although actually he is because he was named after the Ray Palmer you and I know. Isn't that weird? A comic book character named after Ray Palmer. It is interesting. It's a true story. Anyway, Robert Sparing does not care about comic book characters, or do you? Uh, No, not really. (laughs) Just my UFO comic book collection from when I was a kid. UFO comic book collection when you were a kid. What kind of comics? Tell us more. Gold Key Comics had a series called uh, Flying Saucer. And they actually, uh, and you can still get this on eBay, uh, combined all of the 
comic books into one huge comic book that you could buy. And it's pretty much the classic stories of the 1950s and the 60s, the 1948 green fireballs over military installations, um, the Kin Cross incident. Uh, a lot of these show up at the uh, blackout of the Northeast in 1965. They're just the classic stories of all the old uh, 1950s and 1960s uh, UFO stories. Now that you mention it, I dimly remember that. Very dimly. Because, you know, as you get older, the memory dims and the orbs cause things to fade away. (laughs) Gogs, we have any more questions? Uh, Gina, I think we've covered everything already in the show that's um, in the questions that I haven't asked. I was going to quickly um, ask Bob, the comics that you have, these UFO comics, would would these editions be considered rare? No, there's, you can get plenty of them on eBay. Uh, they, they roughly go for $12 a piece. Yeah, because what, what I was going for was... Um, you know, for anyone who does own any kind of like, uh, you know, printed literature to do with UFOs from back in the day and stuff, any rare stuff, I think it's incumbent on people maybe to get this stuff scanned and put online for posterity. Because, uh, you know, there must be stuff out there um, that's, you know, it's not going to be around forever. And if if we don't get these this stuff archived, it'll be gone forever. And there must be a lot of gems out there to, to see. Oh, I, I have some of Ray Palmer's Flying Saucer magazines. They're great. They have some wonderful stories in them. They're really worth preserving. I'm going to ask you a question here. Actually, more of a request. When you go through your collection of Ray Palmer's Flying Saucers, look at the uh, issues from 1965 and 1966. Okay. Where he has an article in there entitled, No Investigations Can Actually Proceed, which stands for NICAP. Uh Uh-huh. Read that story. I wonder who the author is. Well, Palmer wrote the story. But it's about me and Alan Greenfield and some other people. And our encounter with NICAP and Richard Hall. Those were the days. So you let us know. This will ask questions later, you know, before class is dismissed. All right. Let's just move back to our world of UFOs here and our world of orange warps. I want to go back to the concerns you have about MUFON. Now, the fact that you are a field investigator, even if you have concerns with the way they're investigating or not investigating sightings, do they express any concerns about that to you, that you're not maybe in um, sync with their philosophy? No, I think that they're well aware that they've been more of a warehouse than an investigative unit, which is why they created uh, SAT, the Special Assignment Team, which I'm part of. Uh, We actually send people to locations to investigate, and we try to give uh, comprehensive reports on it. For the most part, a field investigator, we get 10,000 reports a year, all right? For the most part, a lot of them are mundane, and they just do get warehoused because there's only so much information you can get out of somebody that says, I saw a ball of light in the sky for two minutes, and that's the report. So that's really not something that you can investigate thoroughly because there's not much to go on. What SAT does is investigate the really complex cases. One of them that they're doing right now uh, takes place in Arkansas over a – 
quartz mine, there have been an incredible amount of orbs and beams of light shooting up into the sky. Some people would say that this is just piezoelectricity from the crushing of quartz which creates an electric spark but there's just too much going on so they're looking into earthquake zones electromagnetic anomalies gravity fluctuations in that area to see if they can come up with some sort of comprehensive theory as to what's actually going on in arkansas at this um quartz mine so yes mufon is aware of their shortcomings and they are trying to um overcome that warehousing only phenomenon Bob, at the beginning of the show, you mentioned briefly Erling Strand from the Hess Dallin project. Um, right. Can you explain a bit more about his interest in orbs or what, what's been happening over in Hess Dallin in terms of orbs? I know, I know some of the classic photos and stuff are over there and that it's a long running um, monitoring project. Um, but, but do you have any more information specifically with orange orbs and Hess Dallin? Yeah, I just pulled up my section of I, I have a spreadsheet that I uh, not a spreadsheet, a PowerPoint presentation uh, that I give sometimes, and I have a, a section on uh, uh, Mr. Strand. Uh, he believes that there, um, uh, where is it? That they're 95% thermal plasmas, 5% unknown solid objects. The lights emit long wave and low radio frequencies. They give off electromagnetic wavelengths longer than the infrared. This is what I find most interesting. They're not single objects. They're many smaller components vibrating around the common center. It's almost as if they're a colony. The small balls eject other balls, which is a phenomenon that we've seen with the experiments with plasma that some scientists are doing, where it almost seems that these plasma balls consciously are able to reproduce, which shows, again, some form of intelligence. Their luminosity increases because they increase in size, and the cause and physical mechanism of the emitted radiation is unknown. I spoke with him at um, the MUFON conference two years ago, and he said that they don't know what causes the radiation. So I've just had a thought. If there is plasma involved... Goggs has a thought that he'll express in our next segment with Gene Goggs and Robert. You're in... The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com.
Think about this. Your community's aging water infrastructure systems are very likely to be contaminated with heavy metals like lead, disinfection chemicals like ammonia, chlorine, and chloramines, and pharmaceuticals like statins, pain meds, and antidepressants. And no, water treatment plants are not equipped to filter these pharmaceutical toxins out. Protect your family's water supply with the trusted Big Berkey Water Filter. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show Big Berkey Water Filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria, and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market, the gold standard in water purification, and our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. For P150, P150GA, P150NY, P150OK, P150TN, C250AC250, EC250Q. Not available in all states. If New York or Colorado, call for a similar offer. What's the scariest thing about going to the dentist? Opening your mouth or opening your wallet? Because just a simple cleaning can cost $100, and things like root canals can cost you hundreds more. If you don't have dental insurance to help, call Physicians Mutual Insurance Company, 1-800-972-5856. This isn't a discount plan or preventive-only coverage. This is real dental insurance that helps pay for checkups right away. So you can call today and get your teeth cleaned tomorrow. Plus, it helps cover the more expensive procedures you might need down the road. Fillings, crowns, bridges, even costly dentures. There's no deductible and no annual maximum. Your acceptance is guaranteed for one of these insurance policies, even if you're retired. There are no networks, so you can choose any dentist you'd like. Call now for a free information kit with all the details. 1-800-972-5856. That's 1-800-972-5856. 5856 1-800-972-5856 Hey, diabetics. Yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get what my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But Pill Pack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, your meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need Pill Pack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. This is Jerome Clark, author of UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So, just before we were about to end the previous segment, Gog signaled he had some observations to make about what Robert Sparing was saying. Gogs? Yeah, it just struck me that plasma is affected by magnetic fields. So I'm just wondering if there are any uh, cases that Bob's aware of where maybe orbs are seen at the poles or in conjunction with um, the auroras, borealis or australis, um, or just any other kind of... um, 
generation of strong magnetic fields? Well, no, not something like the Aurora Borealis, but two cases, one in New Jersey where a woman came within 10 feet of an orb. And when we went out to investigate where the orb was hovering, it was uh, over a generator, uh, an electric thing in a green box that was generating the power from the street into her house. So it seemed like it was actually sapping energy from this electrical box. Microwaves, we get a lot of cases where orbs seem to change direction as they fly around the microwave tower. Now, the thing that's interesting about plasmas is that if they're not being cohesive by some sort of internal mechanism, which we know nothing of, they need to be held together by some sort of field, either a microwave field or electromagnetic field. There's nothing that we know of apart from possibly microwave towers that can actually create a field strong enough to hold these entities in place. There simply just isn't enough electromagnetic energy to hold a four-foot wide plasma ball together for an hour. So science is at a loss as to how these plasma balls, which should want to revert to their natural state and disappear, can somehow last for up to an hour. I have a not a personal sighting of ball lightning, but very close family friend, a single mother with two teenage daughters. Now, the mother was a, a pharmacist, so she's a, a woman of intelligence and hopefully some common sense. I, I know her personally, so I'm going to say that. Um, and so she lived in a, a seaside um, right next to the harbour, uh, a coastal uh, village town in the northeast of Scotland. And she told me about the experience they had of ball lightning once. They're in their front sitting room, which is facing the sea. I believe it was during the day. But something that was perfectly spherical, about a foot in diameter, 12 inches in diameter, that had that classic kind of uh, electric blue kind of haze, like almost a, a like a living electricity colour about it. I, I believe she said there were other kind of colours about and it came in through her window as if the window wasn't there a bit like you know in abductions they float through doors or windows but it came in kind of floated about there was nothing in its behaviour that screamed I'm an intelligent probe or something to her but it certainly didn't seem to be affected by gravity or wind and it seemed to bop about a bit just for maybe around a minute which is 60 seconds which actually having experience like that 60 seconds is quite a long time for something to be up close and personal and I never forget that she said that when it left it's like it went out the television aerial socket. So where the old style TV was plugged into the wall with a, a lead, which would go up to the aerial on the roof, she said it kind of went out the wall at that point, kind of collapsing, I believe, on itself, as if that point in the wall where the receiver cable was, as if it was some kind of focus or sink or whatever, so they were stunned and they didn't know what that was. I'm not even sure if they'd heard of ball lightning before. This would have been in the early 90s, I believe. Uh, so they called out the electricity board and I believe maybe even a TV repairman because, because it seemed to have this interaction with a part of the TV setup. And the, the guy from the electric board said, well, there's, there's nothing wrong with the electricity wiring in your home. Uh, he didn't have any professional experience of that, but he did mention something about 
in the you know large scale uh, electricity generation and grid that kind of industry he says that there are kind of urban myths if you like or or just tales with no evidence about such things being reported before it wasn't a completely new concept to that guy but he he didn't have any information or any explanation whatsoever there's a book from like the 19 early 1960s that scientifically investigated ball lightning at the time and we know much more about ball lightning now than we used to at one time they said ball lightning wasn't real meteorites they didn't believe till 200 years ago that meteorites that's that rocks fell from the sky sure that's true but ball lightning usually happens with thunderstorms. It usually is small, like 12 inches, whereas orbs are larger. Orbs never go into houses. Ball lightnings come out of people's ovens. They come out of people's sink drains. They go through windows. They travel along power lines. Ball lightning, they believe, is made out of silica nanoparticles that have become plasmarized. When lightning hits the ground, it strikes dirt, and dirt is mostly silica. And when the dust of the silica goes up, in the air in an electrical field it turns into a plasma and creates these short-lived ball lightning balls very rarely do they live past one minute and frequently they explode at the end of their lifespan but it's definitely a different phenomenon than orange orbs but they both may be plasmas now, the only time I've seen anything purporting to be artificially created ball lightning was probably 15 to 20 years ago by some scientist or other or engineer. Well, all I remember about it was there was definitely high voltage was involved, a metal tray, possibly some gas or, as you're saying, particulates. I don't know if it was silica, fine silica particles, but the, it was admitted by this person that was doing the recreation, trying to explain ball lightning, because it, we're still definitely in the period then, as Gene was alluding to, when it wasn't even accepted as definitely being a reality. But I remember seeing what he was creating was very short-lived and maybe only an inch in diameter at most. Do you know if there's ever been any attempt to recreate ball lightning artificially that's got anywhere near the scale of what's reported in the natural world. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, sometimes they're called complex space charge configurations, CSCCS. And in 2003, there was a, an experiment done where they actually got lightning balls in a field to reproduce. On my website, it is the top article on my website right now. There's even a video associated with it. I can't recall the gentleman's name, but it was at Cusa University in Romania the study was done. And it was in 2003. And there's a very detailed article about it on my website and a video. Uh, so yes, they have continued to do experiments with plasma balls. Plasma balls can be held indefinitely in like a microwave oven if you have the microwave field going on. I'm looking at the photos just now on the website so these bright circular white parts, is this the, the ball lightning? Yes, and that's it actually reproducing itself. Yeah, yeah. And what's the scale there? How, how large is that? Is that a human sitting down or is that just something yes, else? Yes, that's, that's a human. I believe it's a human, yes. The average plasma ball is about four feet. That's the, the majority of reports that we get. They average about four feet. But, I mean, people have, have said that they've seen them as small as a marble, and people have reported that it was an 800-foot orange orb beaming light down onto my house. So, as far as we can tell, they could come in any size. 
Oh, by the way, Bob, I just love how your website says this website seeks to provide only serious and theoretical accounts for UFOs. We only offer serious articles. Yes, well, thank Is you it, very much. Yeah, absolutely. It's good that you say that because we know just how full of crap this subject actually has in the Internet. Right. And uh, I, read in, lot of, I, read, I read a lot of the articles myself. Um, the other head article that I have up there right now is the helicopters chasing drones. And I actually give the MUFON cases and give the actual text from the MUFON cases. So you're, you're reading the people's words. This isn't made up stuff. This is what people are actually seeing, you know? Our guest co-host is Gox Mackay. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the podcast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. 
Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. Imagine what it's like to be active your whole life and then find out you're going blind. I have age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, my sight is precious to me, so I was relieved to find that Treatments for some forms of AMD are available, and research for additional treatments is underway. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD. Or go to the website, fightblindness.org, where I found so much helpful information. Call 1-800-BLINDNESS today. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future. And you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This is our final segment of our visit with Robert Sparing, talking mostly about orange orbs, fascinating cases, possible signs of intelligent control. And we look at the other possibilities here about living UFOs. And is it at all possible here that one explanation is that there just happen to be different types of life forms that exist on Earth, and because they don't appear to be the kind of forms we recognize, animal, fish, whatever, human, that we just don't understand them, and maybe that's what it's all about. If you look at nature, I mean, we have bioluminescence, we have creatures that glow in the dark, we have all sorts of bizarre life forms. Who's to say that plasma balls can't form some sort of cohesive intelligent system and be considered a life form just because it's not a plant or an animal? Why can't there be other forms of life? Maybe orbs are the predominant form of life on another planet. You know, maybe they're the predominant form of life throughout the universe. You know, maybe they're so common everywhere that they should be considered, you know, one of the most plentiful life forms in the universe. In other words, there's just a lot that we don't understand about life. And we certainly can't imagine what life form would gain prominence on another planet. We know from science that there appear to be Earth-like planets that we found we're going to be putting up new telescopes that might help us check in more detail the atmospheric composition of some of those planets to at least tell us if they have the potential to support life as we know it. But that doesn't mean humans live there. And if there are intelligent species that have perfected space travel, it doesn't mean we'd even understand who and what they were. And plasmas are the most common form of matter in the universe just to let you in on it. Okay, so the attack of the living plasmas from Zeta Reticuli. Uh, Could be. Who knows? 
Where do you go from here with your research? Obviously, you've collected well, got- tons and tons of stories, tons of reports. Any way to begin to put them in a cohesive whole to get a really, really good picture of what might be involved with these orbs? Yes, I'm looking at my spreadsheet now. I look at things like duration, number of orbs in a sighting, their primary color, whether they're attracted to fireworks, whether they merge or separate, what the weather conditions are, what the wind speed is and wind direction as compared to the orb direction, whether they're following horizontal or vertical paths, whether they have people report sounds, smells, close encounters, estimated altitude, geometric patterns, rays of light emitted, sonic booms emitted, technologically unbelievable maneuvers. And basically, I'm going to take all of these 600 cases and work out the percentages of what these behaviors are. And anything over 50%, we're going to look at closely to see if we can come up with any sort of theory as to what they are. But my matrix is huge on Excel right now with all of the information I have, whether it is photographic evidence, whether there's evidence of telepathy, what their apparent sizes, what their actual sizes, uh, whether they have a bell-shaped membrane around them, which is another characteristic of some orbs that people see when they're close up. So we're going to take all of this information and bring it down to something that can be reported on. And and basically, I figure it's going to take me another year to do this. What is your work background when you're not following orbs? I worked for a railroad for 31 years. I've done a number of things. I've been a rail traffic controller. I've been a rail engineer driving the train. Um, I spent 10 years in management, three as a safety investigator investigating railroad accidents, uh, and seven years doing budgets. Uh, I actually work for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Uh, I used to do statistical analysis, cost savings analysis. I was in charge of a $21 million budget, and I've been there for 31 years. I'm a graduate of Fordham University uh, with a BA in communications and a lifelong interest in UFOs. And certainly you seem to know how to handle statistics. Yes, I love statistics. I could look at numbers all night long when I put these into the computer, uh, taking each individual report, reading it, boiling down the info, and putting it into uh, some sort of comprehensible understanding way. Would you agree with me then that the statistical studies, the databases from MUFON and, say, the National UFO Reporting Center, that things like this ought to be merged so we have a single data point? Well, there's so many. There's the, the UFO CAT, there's the um, KUFOS database, there's MUFON, there's um, the New Fork database. They all contain different information, and it's very hard to merge them. Even Isaac Coy is getting uh, another database from somebody. I can't remember his name, but um, the fields are different. It would be a monumental task to merge all of these databases, and some databases are better than others. New Fork's database is much larger than MUFON's, but MUFON's contains many more fields than New Fork's information. And so some of the um, older databases from KUFOS and such um, contain totally different fields that don't match anything that MUFON has. So it would really be a major undertaking, and it would all be volunteer work. I don't know if you're ever going to get that many people to want to do something like that, unfortunately. You see, the goal for something like that would be to try to take care of duplicate information, right? find additional right. information. I understand the fields in a database are different. And you have to translate them or have a translation script 
if you're picking up one database and bringing it into another. You have to have a master database. This is what it's going to be. And then you bring them in and you look for the differences and you try to find corresponding information. Right. I kind of think, though, it's possible with a real database expert who might be able to put that together, somebody who's really, really heavily skilled, not just someone who's good at statistics, but maybe there's a database expert out there who'd be willing to do that. But then you have to have the willingness of these organizations to say, you know what, if this can be done, we can all share data, have a single database for everything. And that way, maybe we get some more progress in figuring out what's going on here with UFOs and related mysteries. There's a lot of territory and a lot of uh, egos in ufology. And I think that that uh, impairs the process a lot. To put it mildly. (laughs) The, the complete story of the worldwide invasion of the orange orbs, the book by Terry Ray. Tell us a little bit about it, a bit more about it. He came up with some interesting things. He believes that balls of orbs want to be seen by people, that they're trying to communicate, and that's why we get a majority of the sightings over large cities. They avoid places like Washington, D.C. and Disney World, uh, which I found was unusual, and that he believes that there may be some that are um, uh, associated with entities, both tall and short entities. His book is broken into three parts, a beginning investigation, about 100 stories in the middle, and a, a conclusion at the end. The stories are fascinating. It's a really good read um, if you're into reading about UFO accounts, especially about orange orbs. Robert Sparing, tell our listeners if they want more information about the work you're doing, where can they check you out? I encourage people to look at my website. It's free. It's www.worldufowatch.com. I have a great section on orb newspaper clippings from three centuries that you'd want to look at. www.worldufowatch.com. Thank you. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Look for two official Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. One's a group, one's a community. Take your choice. Choose both. We also have the best way for you to support the Paracast, and that is the Paracast Plus. Go to pluspl.us.com. Theparacast.com. That's plus dot. Theparacast.com. And we offer the After the Paracast podcast, the commercial free version of this show, selected audio and video files from Paul Kimball's Other Side of Truth, and lots more. And for five year and lifetime subscriptions, we give away free books, including Behind the Paranormal from Paul and Ben Eno, autographed. Only a few copies here for subscribers. Now, since we did mention the Allagash abduction case on this episode, we will have more information about it on After the Paracast, including the fact that one of the four men who claimed to be abducted has now recanted in After the Paracast. Robert Sparing, fascinating session about the orange orbs and other subjects. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.